Mark chapter 16. Mark's gospel chapter 16. You see this visual in front of you. You've seen this quite a bit over the last many months. And uh, for actually a number of months, not, not two years, but about a year and a half, we have been looking through uh, the gospel of Mark, this shortest, though most sequential of gospels, Gospels, the good news of Jesus Christ, the message or the story of Jesus Christ. Uh, all four Gospels tell about Jesus' life and ministry, but we've been really focusing on this Gospel of Mark. I tell you, I don't know how many messages, probably around 40 messages from this Gospel. There could have been many, many more because it's so rich and it's so deep. And I, I trust that like you, uh, I, I, have learned, I have learned a great deal. It has been so much fun to see uh, what in, in depth, what Jesus did and what he continues to do in us today. And so this has been a great journey. If you're here for the first time, you're actually here at a great time because you're going to see the, the very final message from, from this series on the gospel of Mark. So again, a gospel, the four gospels are all stories, true stories, events in Jesus's life and ministry. And here, Jesus, after three years of public ministry. He's about 33 years old. After three years of public ministry, after he died on the cross, if you're grateful for the cross, say amen. amen. After dying on the cross and, and being raised from the dead with that empty tomb, if you're grateful for the empty tomb, say amen. amen. Grateful for the empty tomb. Because of the cross and because of the empty tomb, he purchased our salvation all of that had been accomplished after leading and teaching and sometimes often correcting his disciples. Now here Jesus in Mark chapter 16 was giving final instructions and he was authorizing or giving authority to his followers before he departed into heaven. What is about to happen is Jesus' ascension. It means he ascended, he lifted off of the ground. We'll read about that here a little bit later. But this is what is about to happen. Before this happens, he gives some final instructions. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said this, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be saved condemned. We looked at this text last week, last Sunday morning. If you were here, you remember this. If you were not here, you can hear it on the website. We looked at this last Sunday morning, how Jesus said they were to go to everyone, that, that, that key word go there at the beginning. He said they were to go to everyone, everywhere, and take to them the good news of the message that he had provided. The good news of salvation through him. He, he went on, and you see the text in front of you there. He said that if they believed and were baptized, in other words, they, they responded physically to it, not just a mental assent, but they actually stepped out into obedience. If they believed and were baptized, they would be saved. And in the same breath, he said, but if they reject that, if they say no to that message, if they say no to the plan of salvation that he paid the highest price for on that cross. 
If they rejected it, then they would be condemned. Jesus' words, very strong. If you accept it, you'll be saved. If you reject it, you'll be condemned. There's a very simple message, a very, a very clear message. We're the ones who tend to complicate it. But then in verse 17, the next statement, Jesus continued. He said, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, he said, in my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and those sick people will get well. Jesus said, these signs. He said, these signs. Another word that we could put in there would be indicators. These identifying characteristics. These signs, he said, would, would follow. And, and he actually gives four kinds of signs. You, you see that, that verse or verses in front of you. He, he actually there are, there are five signs given, but really four categories of signs, if you will. And, and here they are in brief. Jesus said there would be four kinds of signs. There would be power over Satan. And there would be power to supernaturally speak and do. There would be power to protect. And then power to heal. Those four. Power over Satan. Power to supernaturally speak and do power to protect and then his power to heal uh, what's interesting is that here we're at the end of a gospel and in the book of acts later on in the bible in the book of acts which is the history book of the early church you will find that all four of these categories all four of these categories people people being being set free from demonic spirits and people being supernaturally empowered to speak and do things that were, that, that, that were beyond their own ability. And, and, and people were, were supernaturally protected and people were supernaturally healed. You see all four categories happening in the book of Acts. But I want you to notice here that Jesus said these things would happen to those who believe, that's, that's a quote, those, th those three words, those who believe. I want you to see that. That's very, very important because it, it, would, be, it would be quite simple actually to, to look at this in a very uh, clinical way and say, well, that's really nice for them and so forth. But it says, for those, Jesus said, for those who believe, and then he used words like they, them, or their. Notice that uh, on the screen behind me, those, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So you, you see him using the word they, but you, what you won't find there is the word you. They go, what's the big deal? Well, just think about this for a moment. He's talking to 11 disciples. There are only 11 living. Judas had taken his life. He's out of the picture. He didn't say, I'm going to only use you. He said, I'm going to use those who believe. And then he doesn't say, you guys. He says, they. That means 
that his instructions were not just for those disciples, but for all believers from that time forward. This is very, very important. This commission, this statement, these directions, these final instructions were not simply for 11 disciples standing around saying, wow, what now? But rather it was for every follower of Jesus Christ who has surrendered their life to him. These instructions were also for them, for us. It's very important. So what what you have here is is something that's very personal and something that's very current. It's not something that just history, uh, although there is a lot of history there, but it's not something that happened a long time ago. It's something that's happening right now. Jesus said these signs, that word, or these indicators would accompany his believers. I want you to see that word as well. These signs will accompany. Accompany means to go with. Accompany means to stand alongside or, or go in tandem with. It means that as they spread the good news of Jesus Christ, these signs would go with them. So it wasn't simply going to be a matter of you go and proclaim, but when you go and proclaim, these indicators, these signs will accompany you. They will be a part of it. Not just something that might happen. Jesus here is saying that it will happen. I'm going to go so far as to say it is supposed to happen. He gave these examples then. Um, Jesus said his followers would cast out demons. You see it there. uh, In my name, they will drive out demons. They will drive out demons. That is speaking of the power over Satan. Jesus said that his followers would cast out demons. This is a demonstration of power over Satan. Now, I, I need to clarify. If you, don't, if you weren't aware of this, you need to be aware of this. Satan has power. Satan has power. It is greatly limited in comparison to the power of God, but Satan does have power. You read throughout the Bible. You will see time after time of the exercising of Satan, exercising his power, uh, uh, stirring things up. Deceit, that's really a big part of his power is through deceit or discouragement. Through his demons, they are fallen angels. Satan has power, though it is indescribably limited in relation to God's power. Never, never... uh, uh, I, I really dislike these kinds of depictions where, you know, there's a, a devil on one shoulder and there's an angel on the other and, and you know, whose power is greater? Well, it's just kind of subjective, you know, a good day or a bad day. It's never like that. The power of God is infinite in comparison to the power of the enemy, but Satan does have power. Jesus gave us, here he says, Jesus gave us, not just those 11 people, but he gave us the authority to command demons to be removed in his names, in his name. So, so here's the thing, all of that to say this, if you believe in Jesus Christ, and if you are living for Jesus Christ, then you have that authority from Jesus Christ. That's very important. 
If you have surrendered your life to Christ, you're living for Christ, then he has authorized you through Christ to drive out demonic forces. <laughs> now, when you say that, some people go, no way. I would never, I would run. Don't ever run from the power of Satan. Never run from the power of Satan. I remember talking with one person and, and I said, well, you need to, that person, obviously there's some kind of a demonic presence there. They said, no way, man. If that happens to me, I'm calling you. I said, don't call me. And it's not because I'm afraid, but because I want you to be used of the Lord. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the authority in Jesus' name. In my name, it says, right? Let me, let me just clarify something. Satan is not afraid of you, but he is terrified of who is in you. Never forget, 1 John chapter 4 says that the presence of Christ who is in you is far greater than the presence of Satan who is in this world. Sometimes we think, oh man, man, Satan is so powerful. Yeah, he has some power, but glory to God, there is a resident power within us that was given on ascension day. Jesus said, in my name, you will drive out demons. Excuse me, in my name, he said, they, that, that means you and I, not just those guys, us. No, we, we, sang, we've, we sang this morning, um, there is power in the name of Jesus to what? Break? Thank you. I'll give you one more chance. We sang it this morning, uh, there is power in the name of Jesus to break. We have that power. Again, because he's dwelling in us. You gave your heart to Jesus Christ. You asked him to come into your heart. He's dwelling in you. Glory to God. You have that authority. Then Jesus said his followers would speak in new tongues. You, you see that there. They will speak in new tongues. Just a few words. They will speak in new tongues. He's telling them how he will supernaturally empower them to speak and to pray and to act, to do things supernaturally that they, they could never do on their own. I, I keep referring to the book of Acts about 10 days after this day. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. On another text, uh, another one of the other gospels, he also directed them to go into Jerusalem and to wait until the promised Holy Spirit has come. We know that about 10 days after this time, they're all gathered together, about 120 people, now not just 11 disciples, but all these people, about 120 people are gathered together in an upper room and the Holy Spirit descended upon them, filled them, and from that day, it, was, it happened on a day called Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover, and on that day, on that, it was a Sunday, on that day, they, uh, an amazing thing began to happen, and that is the Holy Spirit began to fill people and use people supernaturally that has continued, not, not just for a few days, but from that day to this day. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to be with them, to empower them, and to speak through them. 
Jesus said, go and wait, and then when he filled them, they went out. And by the way, if we are to go out and do what Jesus called us to do, in verses 15 and 16, he said, go into all the world and tell people about the good news. If we are to do that without the power of the Holy Spirit, we will not be effective. In fact, we will fail. We desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he's called us to do. Us, not just them, us, you and me. So he said you, or he said they, speaking of us, will speak in new tongues. Jesus said his followers would be protected from deadly obstacles. And he gave two examples. He talked about deadly snakes and uh, deadly poisons. You see it there again. He says they, meaning us, and every other believer, will pick up snakes with their hands and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. Uh, this is, this is, this, these are two examples of God's protective power, his, his ability to protect his people as they went. Now, I, I, need to, I need to tell you what that doesn't mean and then also what it does mean. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you go looking for snakes or that you try out the newest poison. Right? I, I, sadly, I need to point that out. Because a very, very a minuscule number of people have misunderstood this and thought that we're supposed to go looking for them. Listen, snakes have a way of finding us. Poisons have a way of coming our way. We don't have to go looking for them. That's not what that means. I'm gonna, this may not sound very good, but I'm going to say it. Whenever I hear about somebody who purposely goes out and handles snakes and says, you know, they're fulfilling this, and they get bit, and they get really sick, and they die, I don't know. I don't feel very sorry for them. Am I the only person? I, I, I've heard of people saying, well, I believe that's true, and it is true, but then they go and they ingest poisons, and then they swell up and they die, and I go, huh, well, that was really stupid. It's not what, that's not what this is saying. What it does mean is that as they went, as they went, there would be deadly and toxic things and deadly and toxic people who would try to stop God's people from doing what God called them to do. We actually see an example of this in the very last chapter of the, uh, of the book of Acts. We see David, I won't go into the whole story, but he's, he's just going about telling people about Jesus. He's on an island. I think it was Malta, wasn't it? He was on Malta, and he's around a fire, and a snake latches onto his hand, and, and he shakes it off into the fire. The people around are thinking he's going to swell up and die. It doesn't happen, and, and, and it was a fulfillment of this. He didn't go, oh, look, there's a snake, and he grabs a thing and sticks it on his neck. No, it just happened. But here's the, here's the uh, uh, kind of a, a pretty cool thing is that you will find this actually happening many times in the book of Acts and, of course, from that day to this day. There are all kinds of examples of God's people who are taking the gospel out and somebody or something wants to stop them, but because of their doing, operating in the power of God and they're operating in, God, in obedience to the leading of the Lord, that, that, that they are not stopped. In fact, the enemy is defeated because God's power is upon them. I have a good friend, he's up in years now, but his parents were missionaries in China many years ago. 
His father was traveling uh, at one point in, uh, in the nation of Tibet, and some people uh, gathered around him, and they put some poison into, I, I think it was some food, I don't think it was a drink, but I, into some food, uh, because they wanted to kill him. They wanted to stop him from telling people about Jesus and turning people away from that pagan faith that, 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 that pre- prevails in that area. And, and uh, uh, so they poisoned him. That night, he threw up everything that he had eaten in the previous couple of days and, and you know, law, emptied his, the contents of his stomach repeatedly. The next day, he got up. He was fine. He went about. And, and several days later, they, they caught him. When they saw him standing there, they were shocked. They, they said, we gave you enough poison to, t- to kill 10 men. And they began to believe in Jesus because they saw the power of God. So what Jesus said happened there ha- has also happened. That's just one example that I know. But how many times have there been people, let me me tell you, if you go out and do what Jesus calls you to do, if you go out and tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ, I promise you, get ready for it, somebody is going to try and stop you. There's going to be a toxic person, there's going to be a person with some kind of poison who will try to stop what God is doing in you and through you. When you stand upon the authority, listen, when you go out in the power of God, not everybody's going to say, well, come on in. We've been waiting for this. No, some people will stand in your face and they'll say, we're going to take you out. And we need to stand upon the truths of this word. That there's, There's going to be times where we need the power of God to protect us. Some people are afraid to take the gospel out for, because of the, the opposition or the antagonism that may come their way. And I tell you, stand upon the authority of God's word and he will protect you. And I've seen this and I've experienced it and so have many, many of you. Jesus then said that his followers would pray for the sick and they would be healed. Listen, you, you have and you will encounter people who are broken and hurting I see this all the time, not simply in body. I see people who are wounded in spirit, wounded in their minds, wounded in their hearts. I mean, they're just, they're just wounded. Here's the great thing. I serve a Savior named Jesus who heals people. I'm going to say this again. I love it when people come forward for prayer and say, you know, I've got this issue in my body, or I've been given this diagnosis, or there's a great deal of pain. I love to pray for that. But let me encourage you. Do you know that Jesus can heal every kind of sickness? Do you know that you can step forward and say, you know, right now, man, I'm just brokenhearted because of something that was said or done to me, and I just need Jesus to heal my heart. Do you know that you can come up and we can anoint you for healing? I believe it. Jesus heals all kinds of wounds. And he said here, they, that means us, will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. How many here are very grateful that Jesus gives us wellness? I know, boy, he's helped me, he's healed me. He's healed me in my body, he's healed me in my heart, he's healed me in my mind. I'm grateful for the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we become a testimony of his healing power. The rest of that story there in Acts chapter 28 where Paul shook that snake off into the fire, um, 
word began to spread and somebody found out and they said, well, I've got a, a sick person. He prayed for him and then a relative of that person was healed. And before you know it, the entire island was affected by the power of Jesus Christ because of his protecting power and on, on one man and because of God's healing power upon a couple of people. And word spreads. I'll tell you what, we have a world that we have a world that really just need, a lot of people need healing, but we have a Savior who does, in fact, heal. Again, these instructions are, are not hard to comprehend. What, when we do what He's called us to do, His supernatural power is with us. That's really what this is saying, right? What you see before you is verses 17 and 18, but again, in verses 15 and 16, Jesus said, go out and do this. Take the good news to every person. Those who accept it will be saved. Those who reject it will be condemned. But then here he says in verses 17 and 18, and these signs will accompany you who believe. When we do what he's called us to do, his super, supernatural power, that key word, supernatural power is with us. Do you know that so many people in our world today long for the supernatural. And just think about that. And you go, I don't know. No, no, really. So many people in our world absolutely long for the supernatural. I, I believe it is this way because while every person is created in the image of God, that doesn't mean that every person will be saved. I mean, it's not just automatic. We have to confess and believe uh, or believe and confess and you, you understand but every person is created in the image of God. And, and a lot of people have been told for years and generations, this is all there is, we're just, we're physical, there's nothing beyond this. But I believe that that, that spirit that is within each one of us longs for something that is beyond that spirit, that life, that, that eternal part of us, longs for something that is beyond the normal. We are wired to be drawn to the supernatural. Now, that can get a lot of people into a lot of trouble because they're looking in the wrong place, but there is this, this, this God-given desire that, that longs for something that is beyond what we can just gather with our senses. You see this in literature. You see this in film. Uh, some of the best-selling or most... Uh, uh, prolific authors deal with the supernatural. I'm not talking always good. You see this in film. Look at maybe a third or a half of the films that come out, popular films that come out. There is some kind of supernatural element in that. Why is that? I because Partly because the people are wanting, looking, uh, enamored by things that are the supernatural. There's a new Star Wars film coming out in a few weeks. I, uh, I'm, I, Star Wars is a film series that's been around for about 40 years. Some, some of you maybe have heard of it, all right. Um, live long and prosper. No, that's Star Trek, isn't it? That's different. Um, Star Wars, new, new film coming out. Uh, uh, if you're at all familiar with that, there's, there's our characters in there called Jedis, 
Now, now stay with me. Don't run for the exits here for a moment. But um, a few months ago, I learned, I, this is absolute truth, uh, I learned that there is something called the Jedi religion. Who knew, right? There is actually something called the Jedi religion. Uh, it, it is described, this is their, their statement of purpose. Uh, warriors, Jedi warriors who wield the power of the force, and force is in capital letters, who wield the power of the force, which is a mystic energy that binds the universe together. So, the religion called Jedi is, is actually growing, and you may have never heard of it. By the way, it is not an officially recognized religion in the United States, but, but, but it, is, it is a recognized religion in the United Kingdom. That is Great Britain and, and uh, Northern Ireland, the nation of, of Great Britain the United Kingdom. It is an officially recognized, and I kid you not on this, I, it, it is the seventh largest religion in that nation, Jedi. Who knew? Now, some of you are right now reaching, for, don't put your cell phones away, just check on it later. I'm, I'm speaking truth here. Now, it, there, there are practitioners of this in, every, in almost every country. Three years ago, this is funny, three years ago in Turkey, a petition to build a Jedi temple was circulated. It received 6,000 signatures in Turkey to build this temple. The petition stated the temple needed to be built because, quote, the next closest Jedi temple is billions of light years away. Somebody needs to tell them this is not real. And it's actually probably not billions of light years away. There's probably one up in England that just go up there. It's longing for this. There's, we've got to find something that is supernatural. How about Thor, right? I think there's a movie out about him or he's one of the characters in it. Thor, T-H-O-R. You've perhaps heard of him last year Last year, 2017, the worship of classic Nordic gods, small g, Thor being a, one of the prominent Nordic gods, became an officially recognized religion in Iceland. I tell you the name of the religion, but I absolutely cannot pronounce the name. It is just this really mixed mash of, of letters. You can check on it later. But it has a name, and it's this Nordic religion in Iceland. Funds have actually been raised, and construction has begun. It's supposed to be finished in late 2018 or early 2019 to build the first temple to Nordic gods since Iceland's embrace of Christianity nearly 1,000 years ago. More than 1% of Icelandic people belong to this religion. Now you're going, why do you even take the time to share about that? Well, it's, it's important that I do so. I give you just two examples. There is this longing in people for some kind of supernatural connection. They, they have written off Christianity. Of course, there are a lot of major religions, well-known religions that I would mention that also believe in the supernatural and so many people follow that for those reasons. But there's this longing in people for something that is beyond this world, for something that is beyond the normal, for something that is beyond the natural. They're looking for something supernatural. And while it's disturbing to me, 
maybe disturbing to you that a belief in paganism, that's really what all these are, or neo-paganism, while it's disturbing that a belief in paganism is growing, it's even more disturbing to me and perhaps to you that many people who claim faith in Jesus Christ dismiss or diminish the true power that is available to believers today. See, that's what's really disturbing to me. Oh, I don't like the fact that people are going, there's a force out there and we need to worship. Yeah, that's disturbing to me that people are turning to the God, the false God Thor. That's bothersome. But what bothers and should bother us even more is Christians who say the power of God is no longer for today. And I reject that. For the power of God Jehovah God, the one true God, the power that Jesus Christ gave us is for today, and it's for you, and it's for me. See, the false religions I, the false religions I just referenced, and so many that I didn't, they have no power. They have no power. In those false religions, no sin can be forgiven. No demon can be cast out. No mind and no body can be healed, and no one can be saved. No one. It's hopeless. They can build their pagan temples. They can build them, and they can construct them, and they can gather around and worship in whatever form they want. I understand they can do that, but there's hopelessness there, yet there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in Him. Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, gave his followers power. You and me, he gave us real power. That power, (coughs) that power has been demonstrated in every nation, in almost every culture. His power saves every kind of sinner. It breaks any bondage. His power defends his people in every place against any kind of foe at any time in history, and his power still heals. His power is great. The command that Jesus gave us in verses 15 and 16 is for today. The command that he gave us, go into all the world, take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to every person in every place, baptize them in the name of Jesus. If they accept it, they'll be saved. If they reject it, they'll be condemned. Those marching orders, those instructions for all of us are still in effect today. We're to go and take this good news to every place, every person, it is for all. And therefore, if verses 15 and 16 are still in place, therefore the signs that he spoke of in verses 17 and 18 also are for today, and we desperately need them. Folks, we need his power. We need his power. We need his power to transform, his power to heal, his power to deliver, his power to speak, his power to witness, his power to share the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that is lost without it. We desperately need signs that accompany the message. Mark 16, verse 19 says, After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. And by the way, he's coming back. 
And then this last verse in the book of Mark, last verse in the book of Mark, verse 20. And then the disciples went out and they preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. I love verse. Verse 20 is one of my favorite verses in the entire gospel of Mark. And it means a little bit more now when you understand verses 17 and 18. Essentially, it means this. They went and did what Jesus told them to do. They went and did what Jesus told them to do. And it says, he worked with them. Do you see that? He worked with them. The Lord worked with them. If you underline in your Bibles, would you underline that? Because that them is also you. Not just these 11, but every follower of Christ from that time to this time, that them is also you. He desires to work with you. Now, us working with God is, <laughs> I'm helping Jesus. About 23 years ago, 24 years ago, I had a car that I restored and had painted. About two weeks later, I was out washing that car, that beautiful new paint job, and my little boy was helping me. And uh, I had a bucket of water there, and I had in that bucket some wash, soft rags, and I also had some, some little uh, uh, Brillo pads to help uh, clean up the tires. And You know where I'm going with this. I had my soft cloth, and my little boy was helping me, and my little boy reached down, and he got that Brillo pad, and he started washing the fender. He was helping me. <laughs> I helped that out of his hand. <laughs> Sometimes that's kind of how we are. I'm helping, and we are. He desires to use you. But you know what? He's really the one who's doing the work. Come on, folks. He's really the one who's doing it. We get to help him. We get to be a part. We get to stand alongside him and say, oh, Lord Jesus, sometimes I do it wrong. Sometimes I mess it up. But oh, Lord, use me. It says he worked with them. And he confirmed. He confirmed the word of God with signs that accompany by his power, he worked with him. And folks, he wants to work with you. If you get nothing else, if you get nothing else out of last week or this week, in fact, I'm going to even go so far as to say this, if you get nothing else out of the gospel of Mark, I want you to get this. Jesus desires to use you in this wonderful task of telling lost people about Jesus. So when you see somebody sick, don't you say, well, I'm going to take you to the pastor. You lay hands on them and you pray for them. When you see an opportunity to be used in one of the gifts of the Spirit or, or when, when you're, you're scared to share, you lean upon the power of the Holy Spirit who will give you the right words to say. When you see a person who's demonized, who's absolutely in some kind of bondage, doesn't matter what kind, you have the authority from Jesus Christ to lay hands on them and pray for them, and the enemy must go. 
because of the name of Jesus. Folks, we have that power in the name of Jesus. Joni, would you come? I'm going to ask uh, the team to come. We're going to sing the song, Break Every Chain. We sang it earlier. Break every chain. Break every chain. There's a line in that song, we're going to get to it, and that is, uh, uh, it says, there's an army rising up. Folks, that's not just words on a screen. screen. You are the army that's rising up. You and, and millions of others around this world. Folks, there is a war that's being fought, and we need to be a part of the army. I didn't get, nah, that was a lousy response, I'm telling you. You are a part of the army of God, and He wants to use you. But for too long, we've been sitting back and saying, I'm going to let someone else do it. Well, listen, see, here's, here's the dangerous thing. You were here to hear this message, and now you're going to be responsible for it. Because now you cannot stand before God someday and say, well, I didn't know that was talking about me. No, it's talking about you. That, that authority, that authorization is upon you. We're going to sing this song. I'd like you to stand, if you would, please. We're going to sing this through one time. We're going to sing this through. And then we're going to, and then I'm going to pause you. And then we're going to do what we did last week. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to change the words a little bit that's going to make it very, very clear, very directed at you. Because what Jesus said for then is for us today. So I want you to sing this. You go, I'm not a very good singer. Well, that's, that's all right. Sing it. If you believe it, sing it. If you believe that there's power in the name of Jesus, let's declare it. Let's be used of God. Let's sing this together. In the name of Jesus, there is power.
was a lot more people here than were on that hillside as Jesus was about to ascend into heaven. But he gave this commission. He gave it for them, and he gave it for all who follow. So if you want to be a part of this commission, don't take this lightly. Maybe you did something like this a long time ago. Maybe you never strayed from it, but I'm going to ask you, even if you've been doing this, or you've never done it, or you've kind of done it, you didn't do it very well, you gave up, you quit, if you're willing to be commissioned again by the message of Jesus Christ, I want you just to put your hands out and I'm going to pray for you. Go into all the world, Jesus says. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And I'm going to change a few words. This is for you. These signs will accompany you who believe. In Jesus' name, you will drive out demons. You will speak in new tongues. You will pick up snakes with your hands and when If you drink deadly poison, it will not hurt you. You will place your hands on sick people. They will get well. So Lord Jesus, across this room, people have surrendered their will, their work to you. Lord, people who have trusted you in many ways, many times, many places. But now, Lord, we understand perhaps a greater way than ever before. This commission was not for 11, a handful of 11 people, but it's for us. It's for me. Someday I will stand before you and I will be asked if I fulfilled what you called me to do on that day, on this day. And I pray, Lord, that we will with great delight, with great joy, and with great humility and great gratitude for what you have done we will say yes Lord I worked with you I was a part of what you were doing in the time that you gave me Lord this I pray Lord Jesus we commit these people to you I commit their lives to you I ask Lord Jesus that they will serve you with all that is in them as we work with you the power of your Holy Spirit (laughs) You work with us. You do it all. We get to be a part. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, the power in the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. These altars are open.